0: thank you Ken Um, that was a prayer (laughs) Um, I'm so honored that I got to I had the opportunity to get to know you at least towards the end of your tenure here at Lake Avenue Church grateful for people who are really anointed and gifted and talented in this congregation and the many ways they are serving the church thank you well it's also my privilege to welcome all of you to church on this Sunday after the Resurrection Sunday. Do you know what is special about the Sunday after Easter? Exactly. There is nothing special about the Sunday after Easter. (laughs) So your silence was the right answer. Good job. Very good job. (laughs) Um, Before I get to my sermon, I have a couple of housekeeping jobs to do. Uh, First of all, this Saturday, we have uh, the membership group, like, you know, um, this is the membership class which will be happening via Zoom this um, Saturday. And membership class is where they, you know, where you sign off all your your house and your car and everything you own to the church. Um, At least. I'm just kidding, right? Um, at least that's what many people think. Many people think that, oh, I don't want to be a member. Oh, you know, that's going to be a big commitment. Well, essentially, membership is is, is for us as pastors to get to know you better and how to minister to you better, to have a, a proper understanding of the demographics of the church and all that. There are a lot of technical details more so than that big commitment. Of course, commitment is part of that But I strongly recommend that you check out the membership class because the membership class doesn't mean that you are going to become a member, but that's where you explore the membership of the church and uh, other details of the church. Another announcement I want to make this Sunday, coming next Sunday, uh, we are starting the Mosaic course, and that will be there for seven weeks all, all the way up to June 6th evening, 6.30 to 8 p.m. And my boss, Pastor Scott White, and you all know Pastor Scott White, to whom I report on an everyday basis. And he's a person, if you know him, he hardly, I've never ever heard him saying anything negative about anybody. You know, he's such a good soul. But this is one time he kind of talked to me in a very negative way. He said, Matthew, you're not doing a very good job at explaining what the mosaic course is, and uh, you're not really conveying the importance of it. So I thought, okay, I, I don't want it to be that part of my job performance review, and also, and the reason I don't say much about it is, it is kind of, I, I am the one who developed it, you know. So. I don't want to be like one of those parents who always brag about their children and all that kind of stuff. So I kind of downplay the Mosaic course a little bit. But since he asked, I'm going to take a few minutes just to tell you what it is, okay? Um, I'll come to the sermon very shortly. Trying to find a good way to put this. (laughs) You know, I consider myself an entrepreneurial person, and I always look at the world... And look for problems to be solved. Does that make sense? You know, there are are problems in the world to be solved. My worldview, that's the way I look at the world. And one of the problems I I see, particularly in my field, which is ministry, is that there is an identity crisis for Christians in this, particularly in the Western world, post-modern, post-Christian, post-everything society. And this is obvious in the college campuses, I was actually speaking at uh, Claremont College just, just day before yesterday. And I was speaking at uh, the University of Texas last week. Uh, the magic of Zoom, you, know, you can speak all, all, all over. And, and one theme that is consistently emerging, uh, particularly in the new generation, is the fact that how do we affirm the uniqueness and the significance of the gospel? How do we say that the Christian gospel is different? Or even more so, how do we say that Jesus is the only way to God, which Bible very clearly insists? And we know that, right? We affirm that. That's why we do evangelism. Because if you don't, if you don't believe in the uniqueness of what we are talking about, then there is no point in talking about, it, about that at all. So even though we technically know that Jesus is the only way, and we even, even though we technically know that the Christian gospel is unique and significant, uh, and it has something very different to offer, we also are aware of the fact that there are people from other different cultures, other different religions, and other different worldviews in, in, in the society we live in, right? Right? This is not the America in the 1960s and 1970s where Billy Graham could go to a big, a big auditorium and everybody would know what he is talking about because they all subscribe to the very similar worldview. But here, even our own children are exposed to different understanding and all these worldviews which we hear about are very, very good in some, to some extent. Some of these people of other religions or no religion are sometimes better Christians than some Christians we know, right? So how do we how do we how do we juxtapose these two mutually exclusive propositions? On one side, we know that Jesus is the only way to God, but on the other side, we want to be respectful to people of other religions or no religion at all. We should be. We are mandated to be, right? If you don't, then we become intolerant and we become insensitive. So how do we we manage this? So this is the problem, the way I see it, right? So what I did in the last 12 years of my life, and I went and (laughs) researched six major living religions in the world. I'm not bragging, but I can speak about six major religions, one of which is atheism, I would say, because I consider it, uh, I think that atheism... Functions as a religion in our society in so many ways. So when I research this, and I can sleep over, I can talk about that even in my sleep. But when you really study all these religions, what you really, what you see is very interesting. That people of all religions or no religion have very respectful, if not reverential, understanding of Jesus. People of all religion respect Jesus and some people revere Jesus. So what I did was developed a series of seminars where we study world religions from the perspective of how these people look at or how they perceive the Jesus we know and create a dialogue starting from the Jesus they know and invite them to the Jesus we know which is a very respectful way of understanding of the other and appreciating the other and also talking, talking to them about the significance of the faith we have and share our faith in a very respectful way. And more importantly, it also, it also enhances our own understanding of Jesus because all we know about Jesus is from the Bible, Right? But do you know Jesus is God? Jesus is beyond the pages of the Bible. Jesus can be seen from different aspects and different angle from different perspective, and that will that will increase your respect for Jesus or understanding and rediscover Jesus in a in a in a very interesting and exciting way okay so that's what the Mosaic course does and uh, Uh, It is online, and you don't really have to attend the class because it is, you know, after we developed this at Lake Avenue Church around four years ago a major publisher called David C. Cook. You know, they are one of the largest publishers in the evangelical world. They took it over, and they have taken it all over the world. So the Mosaic course is done in various parts of the world because it's online. And, uh, but, but here, since I am here, I will be able to interact with you and give you, you know, answer to your questions. Um, so we are starting that from next week. I don't think we have a lot of seats left because I, I, you know, we don't want to have too many people, too. Uh, that might you know, change the dynamics. But feel free to check out our website, lakeavenue.org, uh, lakeav.org, and the keyword is mosaic course in uh, uh, it's one word. Then it will take you directly to that page. Anyway, since since I'm done with that, let's let's go to the scripture today. Feel free to stand with me as I read from John chapter 21. Ideally, I would like to read the whole chapter, but I'm going to give you from I'm going to read from 3 to 7 so that you'll it will refresh your memory and you know the story. And Chuck thankfully explained it even better so that you will know what the story is about. I'm reading from the NASB version. John chapter 21, verses 3 to 7. Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. They said to him, We will also come with you. They went out and got into the boat, and that night they caught nothing. But when the day was now breaking, Jesus stood on the beach, and the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus, so Jesus said to them children you do not have any fish do you they answered him no and he said to them cast the net on the right hand side of the boat and you will find a catch so they cast and then they were not able to haul it haul it in because of the great number of fish therefore that disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter it is the lord So when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put his outer garment on, for he was stripped for work, and threw himself into the sea. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Have you ever felt yourself caught in a time loop. Do you know what time loop means? Okay, I'll explain. Imagine you get up one morning and then you go to different places. You meet some interesting people. You do some exciting things. And in the end of the day, you get tired and you go to bed. And then the next day, You get up in the morning, you go to the same exact locations, you meet the same exact people, and you do the same exact things, and then you're tired, you go to bed, and you sleep. And then the next day, you wake up in the morning, you go to the same places. You meet the same people, and you do the same thing. And the cycle repeats endlessly. So this is what essentially a time loop means. And I've asked you to watch as a homework to the movie Groundhog Day in 1993, a very popular movie that came out. Bill Murray acting as a weatherman, I think his name is Phil Connors or something like that, where he finds himself in a time loop, he gets up one morning. It's actually February second. That's the day he wakes up in his motel room, in, in his hotel room. And the song that plays in the radio, I think it is "I Got You, Babe." <laughs> and then you go to this different locations, meet different people, and then he, he goes to bed. And then the same, the next day, it is again February second. He, he wakes up. And same song, I Got You Babe, playing from the same radio, and it repeats. And he cannot get out of this February 2nd, that's the essential story of that movie. And this kind of time loop movies have come out even after that, and even the latest, I think is is Palm Springs, it has the same theme too. But Groundhog Day is considered a classic, right? And interestingly, during this COVID season, Groundhog Day was one of the most streamed movies of all time. Because in a strange way (laughs) we all found ourselves trapped in a time loop, right? We didn't really know whether it is Sunday or Monday or Tuesday because we did the church and the school and the office everything from our bedroom. We didn't even clean up our room, <laughs> we didn't even spread our bread, and we didn't even, you know, we didn't even matter whether we wore pants or not, <laughs> because the Zoom window covered all our transgressions. So we found ourselves doing the same thing again and again and again, and the cycle repeats for almost a year, right? Now, in the passage we read today, Peter finds himself. Tapped in a time loop here after the resurrection Sunday they go to they go for fishing and you know the story of, you have heard it preached many times so I'm not going to explain this but then they see you know they have a tiresome day tiresome night they are not able to catch anything then they hear the voice of Jesus they see Jesus Jesus is asking them to cast the net on the right hand side of the boat And they get this great catch. Now, suddenly, Peter Peter is reminded that this is not the first time he has been there. You know, have you heard about a deja vu moment? Deja vu, right? You know, because the very first time Peter meets Jesus, at least the very first time he receives the calling from Jesus, is at a very, very similar place. And if you go back and read Luke chapter 5 verses 1 to 11, this episode is described in in clear details. So, Peter had a very bad night that time, and he didn't catch anything, and the next day he came, and he was basically washing the net, and then this rabbi named Jesus walked along, and he said, I'm going to preach from your boat, and he asked, Peter, to move the boat from the shore a few yards. So Jesus taught from the boat, and you know the story, right? And then Jesus said, hey, cast your net deep into the ocean, deep into the sea. And Peter said, I've been doing this for a long time, Rabbi, but since you seem like a nice person, I'm going to do this. There's no point in doing that, I know that, but, but I'm going to do this. And then suddenly, voila, there is a big catch. There is a big catch. After three years, now Peter finds himself at the same place again. The boat, the fish, the catch. Isn't that interesting? (laughs) I don't know about you, But I find myself like Peter in many areas of my life. It is almost a meaningless repetition of the events. And I wonder, God, why am I here again? What is happening around me? And if you really look at Peter at this point, that is probably one of the lowest points in his life. Almost three years ago, when he got the call to be fishers of men, he was so excited, and he followed Jesus. He heard many sermons. He did many prayers. He witnessed many miracles. But in the end, when the, when the rubber met the road, he denied his master three times. He denied. He said, I don't know who Jesus is. Three times. In some sense, it is almost as bad as Judas's betrayal. It is definitely worse than the doubting Thomas, the denying Peter. And Peter discovered that at the end of all this spectacular tenure in my ministry, I have become who I really was before. Nothing really happened to me. I have come back to the, to, the, to the place I started. I've come back to square one. And you see a disillusioned leader who denied his master. He lost the purpose of his life. He lost the sense of his calling. And then he said, I'm going fishing. <laughs> That's all I know. That's what happened after resurrection, believe it or not. He went back to the square one and the cycle repeats. It repeats scene by scene by scene, like Groundhog Day, like our COVID days. The scene repeats almost endlessly. Now, this is what we call a time loop. Whether you admit it or not, many of us find ourselves there even churches and i i look at i look around and i connect with many churches and and we are all trying to get back to who we really were before now that's a dangerous thing because we want to go back to the time loop again and that is something not so special about the Sunday after Easter because there is nothing special about the Sunday after Easter. So we are, go- we are starting, we are resetting the time and looking forward to the next big Easter. So we are going to, we restarted our time cycle and we are going to do this again and again and again till the next Resurrection Sunday. Then we will go back. That is what a time loop really looks like. And I'm telling you, if we learn something from COVID, that is, it is time for us to break the time loop. Otherwise, we will become as a church body, we will become obsolete. See, that, that, is the, that is the struggle the churches are having. And many people are saying that the young people are not coming to church and the world is not interested in church. And we heard about the Gallup Mall and people are not coming to church. You know why? Because we are in a time loop and the world around us is changing, but we are still stuck in on February 2nd. We are still hearing the song, I got you, babe. And we repeat the cycle like Phil Connors in Groundhog Day. And it is time for us to break the time loop. Well, there are a couple of things happen here to break that time loop. First of all, we we need to realize that the only way we can break the time loop is looking for the one who is outside time. Nobody inside the time loop can break it. You have to look for somebody who transcends time and space. And he is obviously Jesus. And but Jesus here though, the resurrected Jesus is is a very different Jesus in some way or the other. I don't want to delve too much into the details of it. But the resurrected Jesus was not very clearly identified. Every single time, this is the third time Jesus is appearing to them after resurrection. Even them, they had difficulty recognizing Jesus. So many theologians say that Jesus, after resurrection, had a very different appearance. And uh, there are, you know, obviously there are many, many points we can bring up to prove that. Jesus definitely had a physical body. He ate fish. He had bread in another. So he he had a physical body, but that physical body had metaphysical attributes. That's why Jesus could suddenly appear and suddenly disappear. Walk through the wall, and which never, he never did that kind of miracles before. So, the resurrected Jesus, in some way, was a little bit unfamiliar Jesus. So, in the time loop, that's the one that tricks us because we are creatures of habits, aren't we? We look for the same thing at the same place all the time. But I'm challenging you to break the time loop, look for the familiar. Voice from unfamiliar places. Look for familiar voices from unfamiliar places. See, in the first scene in Luke chapter 5, Jesus was talking to Peter right from the boat. Right? And in the next, then there was another episode, Jesus came walking on water, and the Jesus was talking to him, him from water. And in the third scene, now we see here, actually Jesus is talking to him from the beach. Each time the distance is going, you know, distance is getting higher and higher and higher. Because that's the way Jesus is training us to listen to his voices from unexpected place. Sometimes, sometimes the Bible is not the only place the the Lord is going to talk to you. He can even talk to you through your enemies. That's the way Holy Spirit works. And I can give you scriptures as after scriptures. Actually, there is even an incident where a prophet was, you know, God spoke to a prophet Balaam through a donkey. God used a donkey to talk to a prophet. When God wants to talk to people, he uses a prophet. Then God wants to talk to a prophet, he uses a donkey. And that happens. And God's voice can be, you know, there is something called general revelation. God's voice is manifested through nature. God's voice is manifested through human conscience. God's voice is manifested through art and literature and culture and many, many aspects. But the ultimate revelation, of course, is the, wo- is the word of God. But sometime in the time loop, we get so much focused into one thing that we know we go again and again sometime just like God used a donkey God will use something very different to get your attention it could be a movie it could be a novel it could be a person who don't necessarily respect or oh, there are verses I can quote to you where God used like I said enemies of people to talk to them from the very mouth of God so be when you are in a time loop don't look for the familiar places but look for the familiar voices from unfamiliar places and that's very that's very very critical see because a leader or a true disciple is being trained for the lord's absence not for presence a follower a follower is trained for the presence of the master right in the first thing, Jesus said, follow me. They, they all heard Jesus. Okay, yeah, I'll follow Jesus. Jesus is walking in front of me. That's what a follower, that's what a follower does. He or she follows the master whom they can, he, he or she can see. But a leader or a disciple, in the next level of your calling, a disciple is trained for his absence. Jesus said, I am going to go from here. And you are not going to have a person to follow. You have to follow a voice. The voice of the spirit. That's what a disciple is supposed to do. So Jesus is training them for his absence. So to be trained for the absence, we have to look for familiar voices from unfamiliar places. And the second thing, and the response to it is so interesting. See, when they heard the voice, the first person who recognized was who? John, right? John said, this is the master. This is the master. And we know John is allegedly (laughs) the most beloved disciple of Jesus. I said allegedly because John is the only one who says that he is the most beloved right? So, but he says he is the most beloved. I agree with him too, too because he was always by the bosom of his master, and he is so tuned to the voice of the master, and he is the first one to recognize the voice of the master, right? But I always wonder why Jesus chose Peter to be the the leader of the church, you know, the, the head shepherd of the church, because there is there is a there's a difference between being a beloved disciple and a, a somebody who leads leads the leads the disciples or being a head shepherd for example see anybody can do things in a in a great way in the best way possible if you really work at it in some way or the other if you are if you have skills and talent but i always look for the the first person who does something than the best person who does something does that make sense because the visionaries of the world are not necessarily the best people they are the first people to do that when the you know for that you need to have a sense of audacity a sense of courage not just the gift not just the talent but but the courage to step outside the boat, and throw himself into the water. That's what we hear about uh, uh, Peter here, right? Just like Chuck said, uh, like his daughter. like he, You know, Peter became a little girl like Chuck's daughter. He went out of his skins and threw himself outside the water. See, that's the beauty. That, that's something very unique about Peter. You know Peter from different episodes. He is always there, always there to do the first thing. And he has that audacity to step outside and do things for the first time. And he is definitely not the best. He almost always messes up. But the thing is, God is looking for that courage to be the first. And as we sing in in that song, you know, even today, Wild Heart... (laughs) And the and the courage to step into the unknown. There is another song about Jesus' love, reckless love. These are all very negative words in some way or the other. But that describes Peter. And that's kind of what Jesus liked about Peter too. See, another episode after resurrection, you remember when Jesus, when the women came and told them that Jesus is risen, John and Peter ran to the tomb. And who reached there first? John reached there first. But who entered the tomb first? Peter did. John ran there. And John went there. But, but he doesn't have the courage to step into the tomb and check, right? So he's waiting for Peter to come. And he did the checking, right? So this is another thing. As a disciple, we need to know that it is not always about being the best in, in your game. It is not just about, the, it's not necessarily the star player who always becomes the captain. It is always good that if you can be the best, but even more important, it is about being the first. To have the courage to step outside the boat and to throw yourself into the water when you hear the voice of the master. And that is what's so lovely about Peter. And that Audacity to step into the unknown is what breaks the time loop, and in the end, Peter realized a big difference between the first episode in Luke chapter five and uh, then the, sec- the, the the last episode in john twenty one is the calling he receives in the end. See after Luke five when Jesus does the same miracle, Jesus said. I will make you fishers of men, right? But after John 21, the same miracle, Jesus said, tend my sheep, feed my sheep. I will make you a shepherd of people. Now that is a different, very, very different calling. Being a fisher and being a shepherd are two different calling. I've done both and I have no time to explain this. So I'm telling you, Jesus wants to take you from your existing level of ministry, from your existing level of relationship to the next level, but he is waiting for you to jump out of that boat, swim toward him. In the first episode, you remember when Jesus said, Jesus did the miracle, the first response of Peter was, get away from me, master, I am a sinful man. In the first episode, his immediate response was, run away from Jesus. But in the last episode, his response was swim toward Jesus. See, that's what changed the game. That's what changed the time loop. See, that, so then, he, then we as the listeners of this story realizes that each time we thought Peter was going in circle from one to the second, actually this is a circle spiraling inside. We thought it was the same thing happening. No, it was not the same thing happening. Each time Peter thought it was a mundane repetition of meaningless events, Jesus was drawing him closer to him. Jesus was drawing Peter closer to him. Each spiral he went through, it was an inward spiral. See, that's what happens. When you throw yourself out of the boat, even your failures will become a tool in God's hands so that he can draw you closer to him. Now we realize that even though it was, it seemed like a time loop the calling he received was a radically different calling between the fishers of men and the shepherd of sheep. And the Lord is calling you to that next level of ministry. The next level of your relationship with him. And the only person that is waiting right now. Is Jesus. And it is all in our hands. He wants to train you for his absence. He wants wants you to learn how to follow a voice. Not a person. He wants you to be the first. If not the best. So that. He can do something amazing, something different in this world, which is going through this meaningless reputation of even in this world. Whether we admit it or not, even before COVID, isn't this what we were doing? We thought we were going to different places we thought we were traveling we thought we were doing exciting jobs and we thought we were doing a lot of investment we thought we were making money but at the end of the day when we looked at the mirror didn't we feel that we didn't go anywhere at all covid was just a symptom it was just there to show you that you were always on a hamster wheel you never went anywhere you thought you went to different places And you think once this California is going to reopen, we are going to different places. You're not going to go anywhere. Unless and until we break the time loop. In Luke chapter 5, at the end, a significant difference happened, you know. They had this great catch. And once they had the catch, they brought it on the shore and the net was about to tear and all that. And then Jesus said, leave everything and follow me. (laughs) And they had this great catch, and they brought it on the shore, and now they have to leave that and follow him. And I'm telling you, this is the hardest thing I've done in my ministry. God gives you a gift. God gives you a reward. God gives you something, really something you can cherish not because you earned it, God gives you as a gift, right? Like say, as, a, as an act of grace. Then, then he says, leave that and follow me. And I'm like, Jesus, what do you mean? What do you mean? I didn't ask for this. You just gave it to me. Can I just fry one fish? Because you gave it to me. No. It is exactly how it is written in Luke chapter 5. They left everything and followed him. Even the catch they had, at the exact moment, they, they left everything and followed him. See, that was the kind of surrender Jesus was looking at. How are they going to base their faith? On what are they going to base their faith on? And they had the courage to leave everything, even the gifts of God. You know, just because God gives you something, it doesn't mean that it is for you to enjoy it. Oh, that's a hard lesson. lesson. I'm still trying to learn that. But they had the humility to say that, Lord, we are going to leave that and we are going to follow you. But in John chapter 21, (laughs) they had their fish. They had their cats. Now Jesus knows that he can trust them. And it says they caught 153 fish. I don't know what that means. You know, if you Google, you will have, hear different interpretation. It doesn't matter. For me, all that matters is that the fish were counted, 153. That really means that it is accounted for. It is going to be used. But the funny thing, you know, and also in the second episode, you don't see the net tearing because it's almost like the net is getting as bigger as the catch is getting bigger. Or at least the net is getting stronger as the catch is getting bigger. Because, you know, the resources now has a different dimension in the hands of God. They have learned to walk that path of trust, blind trust. And they have learned to throw themselves into the water. Now they can be trusted with all these resources. And even funny thing, when they came back, when Peter came back, they see Jesus already cooking. (laughs) There is a charcoal of fire and there is a grill already and there is fish in it. That's a funny thing. So Jesus was asking them for fish. They had the catch. And before they brought it to the shore, Jesus was already there cooking fish. The fish was already in his grill. And this is the supernatural provision to which the Lord is calling us. All the resources he gives, it is all a matter of building our trust. But we cannot trust on our resources. We have to trust the master. Because it is never, that is the lesson Peter had to learn in the time loop. It was never about any of the sermons I preached. It was never about the miracles I was part of. It was never about any of the prayers I prayed. It was all about the master. And it is that recognition, it is that realization that is happening in the time loop. Which took him to the inward spiral. And where he came closer to the heart of the master. He came to the very center of his calling. And do we have that kind of faith to trust in the Lord? And I'm going to close with a story. It's not a story it's from my real life. You know, when I transitioned from, I call it technology to theology, some of you know that my background, it was different anyway. Uh, when I was a- age 30, it uh, was exactly 20 years ago. I just crossed 50, so don't, wait, <laughs> don't waste your time calculating. But, uh, but it was year 2000, and uh, I found myself in a place that I had a great job. I had a very colorful career as an engineer, and uh, I have a beautiful family, and you have seen them. And, but I found myself... In this you know there's this trust, there's this deep groaning from my heart, and I wanted to do something for the Lord, because I realized that all the success I had with money, with career, with everything I had, and thankfully i 'm grateful, but then, even with all that, I felt myself empty and shallow, yeah, I' am a Christian, I pay tithe, I go to church, and I do many other stuff, but there was something that is missing and and that that groaning that came, and then I wrote to a friend. This is just before we all started emailing and all that. Uh, I wrote to a missionary friend of mine in India. That's, he was the only missionary I knew. And he works in the northern part of India. If you know anything about India at all, the southern part of India is mostly Christian. That's where I'm coming from. But of the northern part of India, hardly any Christians. It's very dark in, 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 in the sense of spiritual Uh, from a spiritual perspective. Anyway, Finney is a guy who does in one day that I do in maybe three months, because he is, he, he sometimes crosses the border to China from northern part of India and baptizes people in bathtub. And, you know, that's a kind of a, that's a kind of a real hardcore missionary Finney is. And I, I really respect him. So I wrote to Finney saying that, hey, Finney, I found myself in this position, like you know, I want to do something for the Lord. Can you pray with me? I want to do something for the Lord. I want to discern. So Finney wrote a letter back to me, a handwritten letter. I still have it in my office. And this is what Finney said. Matthew, never pray that you want to do something for the Lord. Who do you think you are? (laughs) This is the exact word he said. Who do you think you are? Our God is an omnipotent God. He doesn't need you to do anything. So always pray, Lord, you do something through me. Don't say that you want to do something for the Lord. You cannot. But always pray that you do something through me. That, I'm so glad that I got that lesson at the very, very beginning stage of my ministry. I have, hung, I have hung out with many Christian celebrities and people who do many things for the Lord. If only they got many of this basic lesson, it would have made a tremendous difference in the way the ministry was dispensed in this world. And that keeps me humble. And that is the lesson Peter learned In that time loop. It was never about him. It was never about him performing a miracle. It was never about him praying. It was never about him delivering a sermon. But it was never about the fish he caught. The fish is already in the grill. The Lord has already made the way. All he is looking for is your willingness. To break this time loop. So wait to hear. The voice of the Lord. From unfamiliar places. And be the first if not the best throw yourselves out and don't run away from him but swim toward him I'm going to close with a prayer Father here we are the Sunday after Easter nothing special at the beginning of the time loop again Lord, we pray that our failures, many as they are, will be used as a sacrifice in your altar. All our blemishes will be washed away with the blood of the Lamb, and you will receive us as your children, not as just followers, but as disciples. Lord, we are done following people, we are done following Performances and projects Lord we want to follow the voice of the spirit which comes to us from unfamiliar places we pray that there will be the gift of discerning that gift of discernment that you will build in us so that we will follow you always and to the deep into the ocean where we learn the mysteries of the cross and where we will be able to convey and communicate this with confidence and with compassion. And we will break the time loop with the master who transcends time and space. And we pray that we will lean into your bosom and to receive the fish that is being cooked in your grill and that we will flourish not only in our spiritual life, but in every areas of our life. And the same we pray for Lake Avenue Church as a community of Christians with foundations, 125 years old. We will break the time loop. We will leap into the new era, the new season of ministry that you have given to us so that we will be the actual beacon of light, that white cross that on top of this church, oh Lord, will become a shining light for people who are driving through this driveway and they will find something attractive and they will take that exit and come here to see what the Lord is doing here. So here we are surrendering ourselves to throw ourselves into the water, catch us and make us the shepherds of sheep. In Jesus name.